blah, blah, blah. Hey, happy birthday, Coach. We love you to death. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the UJ Sports Live Show. My name is Rodney DeBolsa. I'm joined by Jim Donnan, whose birthday was yesterday, and, of course, Dan Young, who we don't care when Dave's birthday is. In fact, he's not allowed to have any more because uh, he's got kids now, so he, he, he no longer he's exists. he got one on the way, too. Congratulations. When's the baby due? It's going to be early May, so y'all are going to have a, at least a week probably without me, maybe more. We'll see. Yeah, I'm serious about one thing. They ain't gonna be outnumbered by women so bad. He ain't got any chance, man. He's got <laughs> two on deck and one in the hangar and a wife, so he's gonna have four women telling him what to do. You got no shot. I Girl. just need Roddy to keep paying because I got a lot of weddings and colleges to pay for. Girl, dad, man. Hey, yeah. I'm glad I got the boy. All right, uh, folks, we got a lot to talk about this week, and we appreciate everybody tuning in on our normal Tuesday at noon. Uh, I want to jump right into some of the stuff that. Uh, uh, it's going on at UGA Sports at UGA right now. Of course, the players are all working out and they're trying to get better. Spring starts. We we mentioned this the other day on the vault. Uh, spring practice starts March twelfth. GA will be April thirteenth. So uh, it's it's right around the corner. I mean, today's one of the last days of January. We'll have four weeks, then boom, uh, we're all of a sudden we're back into spring practice. So it's coming quick. Uh, you got a bunch of Georgia players are down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Got a lot of guys are trying to, and it's not just seniors anymore. Now juniors are allowed to go down there. So you got some young players, a bunch of Georgia players at the Senior Bowl trying to make a name for themselves in front of the NFL scouts down there. And uh, we had a bunch of guys going to go play in the Super Bowl. So a lot going on for the Bulldog Nation. And uh, I want to get coaches' thoughts on a couple of those. Well. I'm really happy for these uh, young men to get a chance to show their wares at the uh, Senior Bowl. Uh, what people should realize is is the game itself is certainly emblematic of your ability, but all week long you're you're basically in a, a, a kind of a vacuum of most every coach, general manager, scout, uh, anybody to do with the NFL is in. Mobile, Alabama, watching you. Uh, they test you, weigh you, measure you, do everything, and then uh, they get a chance to evaluate you in pro systems because the uh, they don't have used to have a team uh, staff coach you, but now they got kind of all stars from each uh, position around the league, and they actually have assistant coaches give them a chance to be a head coach, helping out. So you get a get a real good uh, value evaluation of uh, your skill set doing pro stuff that that are that's really uh, salient to your position so if you're a wide receiver you're going against DBs just about the whole week one on one uh, goal line coming out middle of the field uh skeleton linebackers against uh running backs and then the O and D line go against each other just uh, a whole lot and they actually go against each other, uh, say you're on the East team or the West team, you go against each other most of the time. You don't go against the other team. So a very good uh, chance to show you wares. And uh, and for coaches, it's kind of a coaching convention that they uh, get a chance to move around. Of course, they got the rules now where you can't really talk to other staffs, but gives you a chance to uh, talk to other coaches and socialize. They have some nice – uh, cocktail hours at night sponsored by different uh, NFL people. And it's just a really good uh, week to uh, for a football guy. You, I mean, it's kind of football heaven. I mean, if you're down there, you got a chance to do everything you want, you know, watch players, improve your team, uh, improve your craft, and it's just a real good deal. So you're saying the rules that 
coaches from one NFL staff not communicating with other coaches from other NFL staffs? No, I'm saying you can't hire or talk to a if a guy's under contract. You can't talk to him about another job unless you get permission. Like, say, you're the general manager, which we know you are, Dane. You're the general manager of everything. So you're the general manager, and Roddy wants to talk to one of your players. You, you've got to uh, give them permission. I mean, one of your staff members, you got to give them, you know, like somebody wants to be in this, a general manager, and he's an assistant general manager for the Ravens, and say the Raiders have a new staff, and they want to hire a guy. They've got to get permission from you to talk to him. And uh, usually they'll let you do that if it's a lesser position in your staff to go to a better one. But sometimes they get a mean on them and don't let you talk to them. They got a really good, you know, really good uh, person on their staff. Like you could be wide receiver coach and somebody wants to hire you as a coordinator and, uh, you know, they're not going to let you do it. But most guys build into their contracts that they can, can talk to other people if it's a increase in, uh, you know, your, what your role is on a staff. I ask because I'm reading a biography about Nick Saban right now. I bought it right when he retired. And in it, there's a, a piece when he was coaching with the Houston Oilers under Jerry Glanville. He would sneak away at times in the offseason and go meet up with Bill Belichick at a hotel in West Point where they would go sit on a front porch and just talk ball. And that was something that was kind of frowned upon. And Glanville said in, in the biography, he said, had I known Saban was doing that, and he's the best defensive coordinator ever had, had I known he was doing that, I would have fired him. Yeah, I would have too. I mean, you know, you just don't want your coaches uh, doing things behind your back. And not that he was – Behind, I mean, he well, he, I mean, he mentions that he did it, but yeah, certain things that uh, you know, I always told our guys, look, if you want, if you want to uh, move on to another job, I'm I'm okay with it, but you you let me know if you're talking to somebody else because uh, that's just not the way to do things, and it, and I would never talk to another coach without getting permission from his uh, his uh, head coach either. I think that's just a gentleman's agreement that most people. Now, now with the agents and everything like Roddy has, uh, you know, these agents work these deals and then they go in and ask, you know, hey, we'd like to hire, talk to your guy. And I say, I guess you would. You've already talked to him. You know, I mean, so it's, it's it's not good the way it is now. It's just like the agents are working these kids on NIL. It's NIL now. I'm just telling you. Unbelievable. I mean, I can't even give you the uh, – give you any kind of anything that you could project is not enough about what's going on with NIL. It's, it's incredible. What's Georgia doing about it? Working hard at working every angle we got that, that I know about, but uh, it's just, it's, you just got to keep using different ways to get the corporate people involved and get your donors involved. It's just, uh, you gotta, gotta work it hard. Cause it's not that everybody's well, Hey, these kids are out for themselves. Hey, that's just, what do you think Kevin Kellen the Boer was? I mean, the Washington coach, he's out for himself. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, and uh, people change jobs all the time and improve themselves. So, but you just got to create a culture where the kids are happy and you're doing all you can for them and they, they know they're getting a chance to develop and be a part of a winning program. That's all you can do. Yeah, we coach, I, I, I want to ask you a couple of things just from the NFL. One, let's acknowledge the, 
just high volume of dogs in in the Super Bowl coming up. Five Georgia players in it with Miko Hardman, Malik Herring on the Chiefs, and Charlie Werner. Um, and gosh, who am I forgetting, Roddy? Here, uh, I need to have Dave McMahon on standby. Bill Michael, Mike yeah, Robert yeah. Bill, no, Bill um, um, Malik Herring. Uh, anywho, our really? dogs. This is going to increase because you said last week, Coach, that Georgia is on the verge of passing Alabama for most players in the NFL. So you're going to continue to see dogs in the Super Bowl as we have in the past. Chris Conley. A lot of players in the year. Chris Conley was the other. And I had no idea it was on the 49ers until two weeks ago. Uh, what does it mean for Georgia's program to have those players on that stage? Yeah, I mean, anytime your, your uh, program gets a uh, shout out, hey, uh, so-and-so uh, defender from UGA played at Georgia, I mean, it's just uh, good for, you know, and one of the things that I'm sure Kirby and the uh, social media people at UGA will send out a uh, lot of information to the uh, players that they're recruiting. Hey, watch these dogs in the Super Bowl. And, you know, we used to send out stuff before they even had that. Hey, uh, these, these are our lineups and these are guys that are playing. Watch them. Uh, these these were guys that, were, that developed here, and you could be the same one day. You could be in the Super Bowl. So I mean, that's just a visionary that you want to work as much as you can with all these recruits. Since our last show, the Atlanta Falcons hired Raheem Morris. Thoughts on that hire? Do you have connections to him, like you? Most people in the football world. Yeah, I was just no. talking to Andy Reid a few minutes ago. And uh, seriously, uh, uh, about Raheem, you know, he's done a good job. Uh, kind of redirecting his career. You know, he, he got a head job early on there for the Bucks. kind of moved up on the staff. I think when uh, Tony Dungy might have left to leave, I'm, I'm not sure from the Bucks to the Colts, but, uh, you, you know, and things didn't work out. But he he's one of the few guys that I know in the NFL that's coached on different sides of the ball. You know, he's been a receiver coach. DB coach and uh, coordinator and all that, but uh, very, uh, very good on his feet and good with the press and uh, is an easy interview. Uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, to me, this really much defines where the Falcons are going now because they got a good roster. They got to get a quarterback that maybe the one, maybe he's there. I don't know, but they got to get something going. That division is not very good. I mean, you look at the Saints losing record. The, the the Panthers are terrible, uh, and the Bucks won the division with a nine eight record, you know, and uh, their their staffs in a little upheaval with their coordinator leaving and going to take over the Panthers. So, um, you know, I think he will be uh, a guy that understands the Falcons brass. By that I mean he's been around blank. He's been around when they did well under Dan Quinn, uh, and uh, he knows maybe what not to do and what to do. And you got to work around the, the situation there. I mean, uh, you know, Arthur Blank's certainly involved, but uh, I've, I've heard that uh, maybe there may be some changes within the uh, the hierarchy about who's doing what. Maybe McVay's not going to be quite as involved. But, you know, I, I think based on who was available and what was out there, I mean, uh, certainly Belichick looked like a slam dunk, but, same time, Belichick would have come in there and moved a lot of desks out of the way. There's some guys that wouldn't be working there now if he'd have come in and taken charge. So uh, um, maybe they thought all they needed was a little bit of change at the top. And uh, 
he certainly gives you a, a little bit more enthusiastic type guy. I, I thought Arthur Smith had some really good traits as a coach, but you know, it was kind of plastic on the sideline, showed very little emotion. But, you know, Tom Landry didn't show much emotion, but he won big. So there's different ways to spin a cap. Dan Campbell showed plenty of emotion for the Lions. And I wanted to kind of take a high-level conversation around fourth down and analytics because based on what analytics say, he made the correct decisions in going forward on fourth down when he did, but it was polarizing for sure. And it may have cost the Lions the game ultimately. So as a coach, and I know you probably talk about this with people all around the sport. I know Kirby Smart knows what the analytics say on these things. How how do you determine analytics? Do you just go with that full-time versus game situation? You have to make that call. Well, he's been a balls-out guy all year. I mean, that's just his way to go. I mean, he goes for it. And you, you can't blame him. They've been very successful. I mean, it's the first time since uh, cars had uh, – automatic transmissions that he's coaching there now uh, that they've got in a bowl game. I mean, you know, actually in the playoffs, I mean, 1950 something. I mean, mm. so they, uh, I remember when Bobby Lane was playing, neither one of you were born. I used to love watching Bobby Lane play quarterback, go on the sideline, smoke a cigarette. And uh, it was pretty awesome to see him out there, but he was, he was tough, tough as nails played great for the Lions. And then, uh, but the, the reality is, uh, the analytics are just like anybody has business. Now you're doing stuff with your business that you're getting people to cart, you know, uh, get a, get a really good idea about the, the data that makes your business go, you know, and analyzing different uh, people, you know, different, if your sales, you know, who you're going to try to, what market you're going to hit and what age group and all that. The same thing with football. And they've got these companies that sell these programs to the colleges and the uh, pros that go over the decisions that were made the last week that had a lot to do with uh, winning or losing. And then the coaches can really look at those pretty quickly every Sunday and say, hey, if I'm in the same situation, this is what I'll do. Then you have a guy on your staff that's keeping up with analytics during the game on the sideline based on the what's getting ready to happen, like it's third and four and you're on like the, their 40-yard line and and you make three yards, I mean, maybe two yards, what does analytics say to go? You know, a lot of the old lady from Pasadena would say, hey, go for it. It's fourth and one, fourth and two. But the, what the score in the game is, uh, how much time's left, all that's involved. But I thought the, the two uh, shots that he – did go for it. You can look back, but um, the executions would hurt them, and not so much the uh, the the calls themselves. You know, and the drop passes. I mean, they had when they had time to. I mean, chances to win that game, they didn't do it. I mean, they lost that game more than the Frisco won it. I thought they just they missed some golden opportunities there. And as good as they played, and wide open as they took the first quarter, and then I think they got away a little bit from the running game in the second half that had been so good to him, you know, uh, Gibbs and that, that other guy were running, running on him hard. So it's like anything you can second guess stuff forever, but, uh, that's what we do. <laughs> the percentages are there. Uh, the first, the, with the, the one thing that I would say that you add to it is one thing, the percentages, but also the flow of the game and what's got to happen 
what if we don't make it? In the case of not kicking that field goal, the momentum was certainly with the uh, with the 49ers, and I think they needed some kind of score just to kind of you know stop the storm there a little bit, at least put the pressure on the Niners to do something as compared to by not doing it, and then that, that put put kind of put a lot on their plate to try to come back. Yeah. Coach, you mentioned the uh, analytics and what they do. I thought it was very – one of the most interesting parts of a Kirby Smart press conference last season was him saying that he and his staff look at every third down in the entire SEC and every fourth down, or at least third and short, fourth and short. And they basically have somebody that pulls all the film and they watch all the third downs and all the fourth downs and they – uh, extrapolate from that how the league is doing. What and then what did they do? Did it work? Where was it on the field? You know, which hash was it on? All this information they do. So they're doing their. Uh, you know, of course they have their analytics, but they also have uh, just a film review of everybody. I know he said in the SEC, he might have said the nation, but I think it was just the SEC because that would be enough. I mean, that's uh, what thirteen other games to look at. Uh, of course, a lot of those teams are playing each other, so it's even less. But the point being. That is a lot of third down conversions when you think maybe both teams get 13 to 15 shots at a third down per uh, game, sometimes more. And he did third and fourth downs. And I thought it was interesting that Kirby would analyze what everybody else was doing and whether or not it worked for him. I thought that was yeah. I mean, a, behind, a peek behind the scenes I thought was great. Yeah, I mean, it really is a, a way to do it because, you know, what's working for other people – that maybe we're not doing on defense or offense what's not working and uh, that maybe we're trying, maybe we shouldn't be trying this because everybody's defending it. And, you know, it's a copycat league in a lot of ways. But but also uh, we talked about this forever on our podcast. We know right now the situations that won for us and what lost for us last year. Uh, and those are the ones we're going to practice more in the spring than the ones that maybe they, than we did the year before. For instance, the lack of uh, being able to to make short yardage against uh, Alabama was very yeah. costly for us. And uh, so you, you're going to work a, maybe a different kind of package there based on the personnel we're going to have for this year. Uh, and uh, I think that's what you constantly evaluate. But I, I've always felt like it's good to uh, – be thinking ahead here by so you're watching let's just say you're watching all these things and you make a little note here uh alabama ran this on uh, third and two against lsu uh, eight weeks ago and uh, we got to be ready for it when we play them or you know just make a little note in your mind and all and uh, most coaches i mean I, I feel like i got a pretty good memory on it you can get a good idea about uh, re- remembering what they might be able to do. And it, it's not so much trying to, to uh, out-coach them. It's just being prepared to that, uh, you know, most of the time, here's the deal. If they haven't stopped you normally on a drive, they're not going to be doing what they did most of that drive. They're going to do something different there because they got to. They haven't stopped you yet. So don't don't anticipate them being in the same front or coverage or, running the same stuff. So uh, I'm getting a little bit technical here, but you, you got to be, you got to be ready to give your best shot. And uh, that's why I know our team, which really impresses me on Thursday, we go over every fake that any team in the country ran the week before 
uh, in a special teams meeting and a walkthrough just because people watch TV and they might have picked up something, even though you're playing a team and they've never run it. Just be if somebody lines up like this and like this, be ready for it. Just you know, it's just great preparation. And then Saturday morning when they have a meeting and go over the substitutions and all that, they talk about what ifs. You know, if if we're trailing, are we going to go for it here or? You just can't make that decision in 25 seconds a lot of times. You've already made it. No, that's a good point. I mean, I didn't think about the fact that uh, they have all the other fakes at their at hand. And you, people say when they talk about coaches getting paid ridiculous amounts of money, they're like, well, what do they do in the offseason? I'm like, well, they've got they're coming up with this stuff. And, and people say, well, why does a coach get there at uh, 6 a.m. and work until 8 p.m. or 10 p.m.? What, what are they doing in the offseason? I'm like, well, get ready for this stuff. And I think another job for me, baby. <laughs> I think another thing the coaches do that that's really good is we'll assign uh, Kirby will assign projects for each coach that they're going to work on uh, to uh, give a supplemental report uh, prior to or after spring practice, which it might be uh, what was good for uh, you know around the country here on. Uh, plays out of 13 personnel or 11 personnel or all that. And same thing defensively. What, what were some of the best pressures that people ran when they showed pressure and then backed off or when they didn't, when they're backed off and then come, you know, just so they can do a little report on that. And then, uh, and then the other thing is always encourage coaches to go make a individual visit to another school or pro team just to uh, improve, improve your craft. Uh, if you can go watch another team practice and watch the way another guy teaches his kids and goes through his meetings and what he does on the field, you might pick up something that's going to help you. But I don't like the whole staff to go because it ends up being not enough time to share everything. You just go and kind of go with that coach. Uh, I know when I was a coach in the back in the, in the early 70s, I went to North Texas and – stayed with Bill Snyder, who ended up being the head coach of Kansas State. I was with him for three days, and I was amazed how much time that guy spent on preparation and the way he worked at stuff and the detail that he did things. I, I did the same thing with Bill Walsh and uh, when he was out at Stanford, and he asked me about what I like to do and things like that. But he said, well, do you film play polish? Do you – when your kids are doing – uh, you know, running 34 gut, do you film that or you just base it on what you see? I said, well, he never have filmed it. He said, well, what if you missed something? What if the guy did the wrong step or what if he did that? And I said, well, that's right. So we started doing it. Well, now you can, with tape, you can film anything, but it was yeah. a good idea. So uh, I went back and told Coach Dooley we didn't start filming that, and we did. I always like when I ask Kirby each uh, fall, Hey, where'd you guys go this summer and who'd you talk to? I got a 50-50 chance of getting an answer. Sometimes he tells us, sometimes he won't. So it's uh, I always enjoy that. But you have a much better chance of, if you go to our friends over at your pipe, you're going to have a 100% chance of getting exactly what you want. Now, today is Tuesday. Of course, if uh, it's your birthday like Coach's was yesterday, then if you use the app, you probably have a free pizza or a free gelato or a free brownie because you use the app. But if not, you're like me and birthday's not for a month or so, be sure to order your pizzas, order your salads, order your uh, uh, 
sandwiches, whatever you like, the pastas, you can have custom made and order today. You get double points through the app. The points add up incredibly fast and then you can get free pizzas even if it's not your birthday. So hit them up. And look, if you have any like dietary issues where you're like, say you're doing keto or you need uh, gluten free or you uh, dairy's not good for you, they got you covered. Any sorts of accommodations you may need, you can go into your pie and they will be able to make it so that you have a fantastic meal. So check out our friends at uh, your pie over 70 locations throughout the southeast. And of course, if you um, want to do delivery, want to have uh, pick it up, you want to eat in, be sure to go ahead and order on the app. Even if you're going to go pop down and sit in there, order ahead of time and just pick it up and eat it there so that you get the double points on the app. It's a way to game the system. I'm all about it. Also want to mention our friends at Athens Ford. I was out there this morning. I had an issue with some water coming into uh, apparently the little uh, drain lines. I had some water drip down into the uh, floorboard of the passenger seat. I took it to them. They're like, oh, yeah, well, we can take care of that really fast. So I was out there this morning. Uh, fantastic uh, service room. Um, we got to get back out there and do a show. It's blazing fast internet, great Starbucks coffee, uh, great drinks, snacks, uh, the cleanest and most comfortable waiting room. They had the recliners, that you know, the, the powered recliners. It's just phenomenal out there. If you get a chance and you need any service done on your vehicle, it doesn't have to be a Ford. It can be anything. Uh, swing up to our friends at Athens Ford. They will t they do a great job taking care of it. And, of course, if you need to buy a vehicle, you can get the lifetime powertrain warranty on it uh, from our friends at Athens Ford. You don't get that at other places. If you go to uh, some other Ford dealerships that are not too far off, if you're within 30 minutes or an hour, just drive the extra distance to get a lifetime powertrain warranty. It's worth it a thousandfold. So hit them up, our friends at Athens Ford, when you get the chance. Let's get to some comments and questions from UGASports.com. Dogfan215 says, happy birthday, Coach Donnan. Thanks for taking the time to do the shows and the watch along. I always learn something new about football listening to you. And we love the old stories about recruiting and interaction with the old coaches. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I will tell you this one story about Bill Snyder that I'll never forget. Uh, he called me in the summer one time, uh, uh, like, I think, I don't know, I think it's 1998. And uh, Nate Hibble was a quarterback that we had. That When we had Quincy Carter come in, we had a couple quarterbacks transfer, which I can understand, Daniel Cobb and, John England stopped playing football, and Mike Usry went to South Florida, but then, uh, Nate went to Oklahoma, so he had to sit out a year. So he wasn't going to be playing that year. You got to understand that he wasn't playing. But Coach Snyder called me and said he wanted to talk about Nate Hibble. I said, "Well, Coach, you know he's not going to be playing this year." He said, "Well, I just want to get a good start on having a good idea about him, so when we get ready to play him a year from now, I'll know more about him and I'll be able to." go back to my notes. So this guy's thinking, you know, 18 months ahead of the, of, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I said, okay, I'll tell you what I know. I said, you're going to have some trouble with him. I promise you that. And, uh, but that's pretty organized. That's, that may be over the top there to me. <laughs> uh, Blue Ridge Jones wants to know what's your favorite birthday memory coach. My favorite birthday memory. This uh, keep it PG, Coach. <laughs> I, I this is a family show. I'm just at my age. I'm just glad. Yesterday, I was just glad to get up and say yes, sir. I had another <laughs> trip around, but uh, yeah, I, I can't. I, I don't know anything that's favorite. It's uh, 
You're probably pretty lucky you had your birthday in the off season, uh, which I know coaching you're still working, but you know, maybe yeah, it's a slightly I mean, different flow than well, most of my birthdays are on the road. I mean, uh, I was seeing somebody usually, but use a little sympathy there and tell one of those mothers I was recruiting that, Hey, you need to fix me a cake. I'm coming in there to see you boy, you know, <laughs> from BTV dog. What is one fix that you would have for the NCAA that would make immediate positive impact to the current situation, which feels like the wild, wild West. I feel that what they're projecting in August to bring in the, uh, the, the condense the financial part that the uh, school has where they can associate some of the money that they make on different ways and put it in NIL for the players. I think if they could do that and get some kind of salary distribution or salary cap, that uh, would be the same for all the power five teams. I think that'd be really good. That's what they're working toward. Do you think we ever see a situation where they take all the uh, TV revenues and split it up amongst them? I mean, at that point, it seems like you got to make them employees and, that's another can of worms. I don't think they'll take all of it, but because uh, you got to support these other. But we're we're trending toward if things keep going like this, we could see a situation where some of these Olympic sports would have to not be funded. I, I don't know if there'll be enough money to go around. I think maybe you might have a lot more club sports in some of these colleges. From Bush Dog, prior to the Orange Bowl, the dogs had recovered only one fumble all season. Has Coach ever seen anything like that? Assuming it's something that Georgia already focuses on in practice, is there anything that Georgia can do to create more turnovers next season? You know, that's something that's just uh, trending, that it happens sometimes. They come in bunches, sometimes they don't. They work an inordinate amount of time on creating turnovers and protecting against turnovers against each other. like. Uh, First part of practice, the running backs will go and the deep, the linebackers will try to take the ball away from them or DBs will be uh, doing the same thing with the wide receivers. So ball security is a big part. We don't fumble much ourselves either. I don't know how many do we have last year, but one of the best things that we work on too is fumble protection, falling on the ball, showing our players how to do it if there is a fumble. It's one thing to fumble the ball, but the other team doesn't necessarily have to get it just because you do it. But he's right. We didn't – two of the most unbelievable stats for this year was our only getting one fumble recovery and then our punt team not giving up any punt return yardage. I mean, that's incredible that the, the other team never returned one yard worth of punt return. It's weird. And to your point, the only thing we ever really get to see at practice, I mean, we get to see the position drills where they're going against air, not even offense versus defense. We just get to see like the wide receivers running routes and the quarterbacks throwing to them. There's no defensive backs there. But when Kirby actually lets us watch some parts of practice, it it's usually if it's 12 minutes, seven of those minutes are them trying to strip the ball away from each other or protect the ball or, or watch them jump on fumbles. And I'm like, you guys do this every day, and this is all we ever get to see. <laughs> but the, I mean, we, another it, five minutes is good, but it's – one thing I, I can back it, you up. Kirby works on it every practice, every damn practice. Excuse me for interrupting, but one thing about it, it's a burr in your saddle about us not getting to watch practice. But watch the Super Bowl. They're not going to let these people watch them practice. No. They'll have media availability. I mean, it's, it's flat with everybody because – there's got to be at least one or two guys among the press that, that's not pro-Georgia 
like you are that would say that would say hey they were working on this you know and uh that's what happened and uh i know jimmy johnson's always talking about he was watching television before a, a game and they were watch they were going against the uh buffalo bills and he saw him doing a uh some kind of play on the tv at night when he was watching the news and he alerted his defensive staff to it. The next day, they ran it against them, and they were right ready for it. I've even uh, seen – I've had local coaches at things like soccer say, we don't want some highlights to get out there because you don't want the player tendency. So even if a play happens, you don't want to show a tendency of what one player does in a certain situation to another coach because they can pick up on that if they're yeah. – I mean, they, I'm going to tell everybody Kirby's trying to force fumbles. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give that away. Well – it's just the way it is. I mean, it's hey, I'm I'm taking up for the coaches. I right? know you always. No, I know you're trying to take care of our readers too, and that, that, that's and our listeners. So it's a real paradox, that's for sure. But I think for the most part, our fans get a pretty good idea of what's going on around here. I I, I really do. I think they got a. Oh, we do. I was just saying that's the one thing I can absolutely confirm that we've seen with our own eyes. They work on turnovers, and it's just crazy that the amount of work they put into it. And even though they didn't get what one going into that game, uh, they still work on it religiously. Kirby believes in getting turnovers. He, he I mean, the, if you ask him, hey, Kirby, what's going to determine this game? He'll never say execution. He'll never say uh, game plan or I'm going to outcoach this guy. He'll always say, well, turnovers first, and then he'll move on to whatever happens after that. We got to protect the ball. I mean, he says it like a, a mantra every week because it's true. I mean, it's one thing I learned sitting next to you and all these uh, watch-alongs is the Alabama game. I mean, that turnover was the difference. That was it. You're right, 100%. From Billy Zane says, happy birthday, Coach. With the dogs going 42-2 and two in two national championships in the last three years, there's obviously no need for wholesale changes. But how do you marry continuing proven processes and philosophies with looking for new ways to gain an edge or freshen things up? Yeah, I mean, uh, Kirby's – if he's not the best I've ever seen, he's close to it of keeping the hammer down. I mean, uh, there, nobody feels like they got it made on the team or on the staff, on the support staff. Uh, he's always looking for ways to uh, do it better. And uh, the, the one thing that I would tell Billy that I feel like it's always good when you have some staff turnover, like for us, we've got two new defensive coaches coming in then you're going to get new ideas, fresh ideas about practice, about drills, about game day operations that, hey, well, we did it like this, which might not be as good, but it might be something that you like better. I know when I started doing uh, TV and going around to watch other teams practice like Thursday or Friday before a game, I always tried to look at it from my standpoint would, 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 well, you know, maybe I should have tried it like this or, Conversely, that guy needs to do it like we did because it would really help him. So I know uh, uh, one time we were doing uh, extra points up at Marshall and this pro guy came in and uh, there was a pro line coach. He was uh, looking at one of our – he was not, no longer a pro line coach, but he was a pro scout. And uh, he was looking at one of our players and he came over to me. He said, Coach, have you ever tried this technique on your extra point? Uh, just, you know, he was very nice about it. And what he was saying, which I'll never forget, high and tight to the inside. So we 
we started telling our players, get a little bit taller, high, and then get tighter to the inside. All the, the people on the line and then the wings are going to protect their inside shoulder and inside leg and protect the outside. So that just little word, a little slogan there, high and tight to the inside, increased our better. And we were doing that technique, but we weren't thinking about really getting as tall as we needed to or as tight as we needed to. And uh, that one little thing really helped me uh, be a better coach. And we ended up kicking a field goal for a national championship uh, in 92 that uh, if we hadn't been high and tight to the inside, we probably would have gotten beat. Wow. I love it. From UGA alum 95, how does coach think the dynamic of Schumann and T-Rob as co-DC will work on game days? Who's going to call the defensive plays? And then how do they complement each other on the recruiting trail? Well, I don't think you change the defensive play calling because that, that's what Schumann's doing. Uh, he's done it the last two years and been very effective. And I think our squad coming back and the players we got enhancing that with the new guys is going to make it even better. But uh, although there could be a reason that, that they would do some kind of different, you know, third down calls or whatever it might be. But uh, bottom line, those calls go through Kirby Smart and um, it'll change in a New York minute. I mean, um, not, you know, just because he's seen so many things. But I'm, I'm just telling you, Glenn Schumann is one of the most prepared coaches that I've ever seen. Uh, not only at his age, but anywhere as far as just detail. I mean, he's got volumes and volumes of situations on different tapes that he presents to the players. And he, he just got an unbelievable knack for remembering things. And, and uh, he, he's a really good game day coach, good, good practice coach. And I'm sure T-Rob's going to enhance it, but I, don't, I can't see us changing the dynamics of, get, of play calling. Uh, Kirby's not big into changing. Uh, I mean, he'll change if he wants, uh, needs to, but he likes the, the the processes he have in place are usually the result of trial and error and uh, uh, development. So that's been one of the things we had somebody come in and say, "Hey, we're gonna they're gonna wear this or they're gonna change that," and I'm like, "Have you covered Kirby Smart at all? He's not flavor of the week guy. Yeah, you know, he's he's not. And that's not to say that you know T Rob is that. It's just that if there's if Schumann's calling the plays is because that's exactly what he wants. Well, here's because the thing. Here's the thing. Schumann has been with Kirby as a student assistant at Alabama. GA. And then he was a personnel guy where he was working with him too and an analyst. And he brought him here and he'd never been a full-time coach on the field, which that doesn't mean that he wasn't ready. He definitely was. And he's groomed him, but the one thing that Schumann brings to the table that Bobo doesn't must champ, he's been around Kirby a lot more, and he knows exactly what Kirby wants practice-wise, everything, and uh, he doesn't he, – he can always present that to, to uh, Kirby. Hey, we did this one week at Alabama 10 years ago. You think we might should consider this, all that. And he's, he really has uh, Kirby's ear on – now he'll get his ass chewed out pretty quick from Kirby too, because <laughs> Kirby knows that he feels like Schumann should have known that was going to happen too more than anybody else too. But uh, it's a great relationship and tremendous respect between both of them. Yeah, that, that, 
you you and I was stumbling over it, but you put it in the words. What I was trying to say is Kirby has that faith in him and trust, and it's developed over so much time that he's not going to – I don't care who you brought in. You can bring in Bill Belichick and be like, nope, Schumann's my guy because he does it exactly the way I want to, and that's the culmination of years and years and years. Uh, Chrissy had a good question. Coach says, can't the same be said for transfers? If someone transfers out of UGA, what stops them from telling all the ancient Chinese secrets to the next school? Well, they tell them. I'm sure they're going to tell them. I mean, there's no – there's no blood oath that you can't tell them uh, that what we're doing or our signals, anything you can, that's just the way it is. Uh, you no longer have allegiance to us. You got whoever you're playing for. So there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and uh, vice versa. Right. Uh, and that that's just, I mean, you move to another company, you, you know, unless you got a uh, non-compete, non-compete or something, you, you can certainly, take some of your customers, whatever it might be. Yeah. I trained up a lot of guys in this industry and they did took, took everything we taught them and used it against us. But that's just how it goes. That's why we just keep developing and keep uh, creating new stuff all the time at UGA sports. Uh, speaking of, I want to mention our friends over at myperfectfranchise.com, mainly because if you're trying to do something uh, new and you want to go learn a new career, you want to learn a new, um, uh, and, and, I don't say a new, a new pathway to happiness and to fulfillment in your life. There are people in place who will help you get there. Just like if you were to transfer schools or, you know, get it to transfer coaches, you know, uh, you know, you go somewhere else. You don't have to do it all from scratch. You can actually have somebody walk you through it. And our friends at myperfectfranchise.net, Andy Ludecki, he will do it. He says, look, reach out to me, call me, text me, uh, Send me a fax, whatever you want to do. I will send me an email. I will walk you through it. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I'm going to help you get there so that you will be successful. You don't have to do this on your own. I'm not going to charge you anything. I'm going to get you set up. I get paid on the back end by the franchise company for bringing you to them, but it's it's only going to work out if we both win. I get you to the right place and answer all your questions. And if you go to myperfectfranchise.net and click on the testimonials and read what people have said about them, again, these are unsolicited testimonials. These are what people come out and, you know, these are reviews. The names are there. Check out the reviews at myperfectfranchise.net and you will see why so many people pick Andy Ludecki and myperfectfranchise.net to help them start their next business. So if you want to do something different, check them out. Also, if you want to do something really good today, or, you know, if you're going to watch the Super Bowl or uh, what, you know, like you, this past Sunday, we were watching the championship games. Swing out to Academia Brewing Company. It's the best damn food you'll ever have. I guarantee it. It's, the food is so good. But then they are a brewing company. They make wonderful beers. There's always a new beer out there. And you just get a flight. They put it in a barrel stave, you know, the, the little single parts of the barrel. And there's little holes cut out of it. And they put four glasses into it. And you can try four different beers. I guarantee you will not have a uh, unhappy experience. The service out there is phenomenal. The atmosphere is great. As it gets warmer, I definitely recommend going out into their beer garden. The outside patio uh, is fantastic. If you're having corporate events, they have a, a place for that. So check out Academia Brewing Company. You'll be glad you did. You'll text me. You'll write me. You'll just like with Andy, you'll hit me up in any way, shape or form and going, hey, that was a great recommendation. I appreciate it. So you try them. I, I dare you to have a bad experience out at Academia Brewing Company. 
Two more questions from the dog vent, and then we'll get to some from YouTube and from Facebook. You're going to like this handle, Coach. Urban Myers Heartburn asked, what player is going to surprise everyone next year, new starter or some significant improvement from a current starter? Oh. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking at cornerback just because of what's exiting there. Well, I would say combination, Julian Humphrey, uh, Daniel Harris uh, would be one. And then one of these freshman linebackers that are coming in are, are, are going to explode. They've just got too much ability. Uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe some people on the edge. And then offense, uh, Trevor Etienne just is going to have to – if he can play like he did at Florida, that'll be a big boost for us. And people always start with offense and defense here. But some of the breakthroughs are going to be guys on special teams because there's openings in those spots too. So I'm looking at a guy like Troy Bowles, who it's a pretty hefty task to break into inside linebacker right now. But I bet you'll have some opportunity on special teams. Yeah, all those guys will be good. We got the two gunners back, Arian Smith, and love it. But I think punt return wise, we're going to have to uh, develop. You know, we got 17 Evan. What's his name? Evans. Anthony Evans. Uh, Anthony Evans, and then. Uh, uh, Love it can return punts too. Uh, uh, this young man that uh, is coming in from Nate Frazier from the West Coast, uh, running back, really good at that. So uh, it'll be uh, we'll, we'll be good there. Uh, and uh, they weren't working an inordinate amount of time. Number one for us is being able to catch the ball and make good decisions about fair catch and not letting these rugby kicks roll and. Uh, you know, Muse made some tremendous catches this year to, to uh, facilitate good field position by running up and catching balls. And that takes a lot of guts there and, and when the band's playing to make that kind of catch. And, uh, you know, we talk about it all the time, but 10 yards is a first down. I mean, you give up 10 yards on a roll, really chaps your butt. I mean, I hate to see rolling punts about as much as I do anything. From big old dog, considering the front seven on defense did not create as much havoc or dominate when Georgia needed them to the most, what changes do you make or how would you try to get more out of that group? For example, I think both uh, Stackhouse and Brinson need to get stronger at the point, point of attack. Would the strength and conditioning team have a specific plan for what they're doing? Well, it makes a good point. We weren't as dominant, but compared to what? Uh, look what we had before, but. Uh, there were certainly some really good plays on defense and some good movement by our defense, maybe not as much taken on block. So I think they will. I know Brinson, one of his goals uh, coming back after graduating is to work really hard on his physical stature and, and strength. And then, of course, uh, you know, Stackhouse is great speed. He could probably increase his uh, deal too. But one thing that all the fans need to know, each guy has a, a off-season – a goal sheet that uh, they provide to the coaches and the coaches provide one to them about what we're going to do between now and spring, spring and summer, and then summer and fall. And then how are you going to meet these? So within the weight program or strength and conditioning, they've got certain body parts that they're going to work hard on to try to and make them better. And uh, also maybe speed and agility, quickness, whatever it might be. It's one thing to say that that's my goal, but how are you going to do it? What what's your going to be your path to that? And so, 
even though the coaches are on the road, they're getting a weekly report from Scott Sinclair and his staff about strength gains or speed and quickness gains or whatever it might be. So when they meet with these kids, hey, what are you doing here, man? I thought you were going to do this. How, what are you doing? So uh, it, it's really it's really individualistic there from a one point of each guy, but they also have things to bond the team like a team run. Like they'll meet at six o'clock over there at Butts Bear and they'll just run around the campus and you'll have guys encouraging people like Roddy that are in the back. Hey, come on, get up there close. Be the front. Come on. You gotta work harder or you know what I mean? But it's a it's a good meshing of leadership and uh, and those big old boys don't like those team team runs too much, I can tell you that. But they they get better at it. Team run, Mike, but uh, hey, Kirk, Coach, we've got a question from Kirk DD. He says, well, he's got two questions. He says, who plays right tackle for Georgia? Uh, and I, that's, I got that's a good question for me. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. And then I thought this was even more interesting. He says, who returns kicks? And what goes into the, the decision to return kicks? As you guys have uh, mentioned, a lot of players you project could be return guys, including some defensive signees. So yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, think, I think Trust is the number one guy there. He's got three years of playing. I was glad to see he and Ratledge both coming back. Certainly we got some young guys that are moving up and guys like Daniel Calhoun coming in, freshman, uh, big guy, uh, Mayweather. But uh, Freeling's probably the most advanced of the past freshmen. And uh, so I think that's, that's the guys. And then, of course, I think we hit it a little bit before this question about Evans and Lovett and all, but what goes into it is decision-making, ability to catch the ball under pressure, but the ability to accelerate and accelerate and be full speed as quick as you can is not so much your true speed, but your quickness avoiding the first guy and then getting into your uh, your breakaway speed. So you want an explosive guy catching a, field, a punt out in the field uh, for sure, but you want a quicker guy on the punt returns and a, maybe a faster guy on the kickoff returns because the people aren't going to be on you near as fast and you can hit that gash, so to speak, where, you know, you hit that like a rocket right in there where you got to hit that one place and you get through that first wave. And we had some really good kickoff returns this year. I mean, we were we were close. So we got Bell back there, who I think is fantastic at it. Uh, he, he'll be returning. And then maybe some of these young guys will – I don't know enough about them. Should be good at that, but we spend we spend we spend too much time on kickoff returns because we never other teams don't score. But you have to work on it, you know. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just being funny there. But we do we spend time on everything. We don't we don't kicks to us, even though we we don't. Uh, and then you know our our analytic people are checking. You know, Clemson right now, I mean, what's their percentage of their kickoff guy kicking the ball out? And, you know, how much time are we going to work on a kickoff return if they're if we're not going to return one? I mean. That's a good point. Uh, and they're going to maybe try a pooch kick or something like that. But, well, we spend a lot of time on special teams. Uh, no matter what, you know, every day there's going to be one form, kickoff return, kickoff coverage, punt return, punt coverage. Uh, right during practice, sometime he'll blow the whistle and make the team go out there and kick a field goal, which I think is good because a guy can stand there and kick three or four field goals in a row. That's not a game situation. A game situation is pressure where he's called off the bench, got to go out there and kick it. So 
And he always puts a lot of pressure on the kicker because if you make this, we're not going to run or if, 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 you know, stuff like that. Now, not very often because he runs them all the time. It'd be very, it'd be delirious to say that, but he, you know, once in a while he'll say that just to get their morale going, but we got a stone cold killer kicker. Now that guy's got ice water in his vein. He's a great kicker. Yeah, especially for being as young as he is. Uh, another question from uh, Liz Bunn, L-I-Z-B-O-N. Uh, how does Kirby Smart keep from getting burned out like Nick Saban did? Is he from Portugal? I, could be. Liz Bunn? I almost think it's like, uh, well, that would be L-I-S, but this was, maybe yeah. this is a woman named Liz. Yeah, is that's good. Bosch, good. I haven't had it. I haven't been working on my Portuguese. But uh, I think uh, certainly uh, – I can't even remember what was it. What was the question? How, do you, how, how does Kirby Smart keep from getting burned out like Nick Saban did? So what is burnout? Do you look in your mouth? And, oh, what is it? I mean, what is burnout? I mean, no, seriously. I mean, that means that you just don't have anything left. And all. I don't know that Nick was completely burned out. You know, he's a lot older, seventy-two years old. I mean, he go out there and ride a boogie board. Now I saw him down at at the beach riding a boogie board, so he's not. He's probably enjoying that, but uh, Kirby has really does a good job with uh, his time management. I mean, he tries to get to go see his kids uh, play basketball or whatever it might be. And, uh, he, you know, he's got a life outside football that helps you. I mean, if it's just 24-7, uh, nothing but football, um, it's, you probably could. But uh, he, he And I think I've mentioned this before on these podcasts. I think the COVID situation helped every coach in America understand that you don't have to spend quite as much time on everything football as you as you need to because you couldn't then. You know, you had to you can't couldn't meet as much, you, you couldn't go on the road, you couldn't do all that. So it gave them a chance to be with their families more. And as we've mentioned on this podcast, Kirby instituted that Wednesday night where Coaches are off. You know, you don't stay Wednesdays at Georgia. You uh, Monday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, you're there at night. But Wednesday night, you go home, and it's a good idea. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Got to have hobbies. Uh, Dog Stomp has a hobby. He says but it's a little different. He wants to know if they're going to ever bring back Picture Day. And uh, that's I'll tell you, Picture Day was a ball buster for me because – you know, you just uh, you you hated you allotted so much time, but then you got people that've been waiting in line and they can't, and they say, "Okay, it's over," and they've been they've driven three three hundred miles up here, so it always was an hour and a half or two hours longer. But you know, it, it just made you feel good that they were so interested. And I think they started cutting back on the number of things you could sign and all that. But uh, now with so many people taking these guys' uh, signatures and trying to sell it and all that stuff. I don't know. I don't See, that, that's, my, that's my thought, Coach, is I, I lament them getting rid of picture day. I think if you could you could have it indoors. Remember how it used to be outside on those practice fields as hot as nine L's? You can now do it inside the indoor facility so it could be climate controlled, and it is a huge NIL opportunity because people will pay to get a, you know, I, we would always see these um, uh, yeah, it's a good players. Idea. Go, go. Be a logistical nightmare, but you could probably do it. But 
Yeah, well, he's got he's got people up there doing logistics every day. You could sign you could sign up for a five or ten pack, you know, player deal where you get ten signatures or five signatures, or whatever. It all goes to the NIL things. The play the payers get paid right off the bat. Plus, you bring back picture day. You have corporate sponsors. I'm just saying it's a that could be a huge NIL opportunity for them that would help the program. Plus, yeah, allow the fans to actually see some of their favorite players. So yeah, maybe. We'll bring I, mean, I mean, you know what people would pay to get a picture with Uga? You could fund NIL for the next five, ten years, one day. Yeah, we're, yeah we'll, I know they're looking at things. I know uh, that they're going to have a deal where some guys are going on a hunting trip with uh, Jason Aldean and Kirby and uh, uh, who was the other one I told you? Uh, uh, Luke Bryan's down there from Luke Leesburg. Luke Bryan, there's going to be and Kirby and they're going to go uh, quail hunting down in South Georgia and uh, money's going to NIL. It's a good idea. But uh, you got a picture with Uga. I know, I tell you, I got people who come through the line and tell me they knew me from such and such and all. And this one lady came through there and said she knew me in the sixth grade and I was her boyfriend. I said, was I blind? <laughs> I didn't say that. I was thinking to myself, come on, man. But uh, it was unbelievable. I couldn't. And I said, well, I, I said, hey, how you doing? I didn't really ask her for a number or anything. Was like, <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Well, you saved the best for last, Coach, for sure. <laughs> Are we over? Yeah. Well, I'm saying we're right up around. We're buttoned up against it. But I got I got my joke here. I mean, I'm ready go, for my joke. But, uh, Bring it to us. So this uh, – preacher was uh, preaching to his uh, congregation. He said, you know, every week I tell you how thankful I am with uh, about all the things, the many blessings that we have in this church and I have myself. And I just like to make it available to anybody in the congregation that wants to come up and just tell everybody how thankful they are and uh, just share it with our, with your friends and, and the other people that are come here every week so several people came up and talked about different things and this one lady get, came came up and said i just want to tell you that i am so thankful for my husband tony's health he he just went through a tremendous injury and for him to be still around and being like he is and everybody's just gasping and everything and looking over there at tony and and uh, you know trying to figure out what happened to him she said well and I'm going to share it with you. He said, uh, his scrotum was crushed. And uh, everybody's just thinking, good Lord. I mean, what a tremendous, I mean, what a terrible injury. And uh, she said, but fortunately, the doctors got in there right away and they were able to put some wire around it and, 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 and put it back together. And, you know, now he's back. And I'm so thankful for that. And everybody just, oh, what a terrible injury, everything. And so, then she got through and then Tony walks up there and said, I just want to tell everybody, my wife doesn't know the difference between a scrotum and a sternum. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's a good joke. Man. <laughs> I mean, you're thinking about it. He's really in bad shape. Right? Yep. Come on, well, Dave. Wires didn't sound any better. 
how's this better how's this fixed i was watching roddy's reaction to it because he almost went off screen I didn't know. Dane, my boy dane didn't like my jokes i mean i guess i gotta tell some uh, of those kindergarten jokes for him but uh, i want the dirty jokes coach that's oh, I want the ones you can't right? tell. That's a severe injury if that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been bad. But uh, and then there's the last one here. This guy uh, is married to this gold digger that uh, you know just married him for his money, and he he gets really sick, and he said, "Well, I got to go to the hospital." And she said, "Well, you know, the hospital's ten miles from here. Let's go to this urgent care." So she goes over to this urgent care and. This lady in there said, look, your husband's bleeding internally. He said he's losing blood and uh, he needs an immediate transfusion. We got to do something about it. And uh, what what's his uh, blood type? And of course, she knew, but she wasn't going to say anything. because she, she, This is a chance for her to get the money and everything. And the guy just laying there on the table. And, and he said, what? She said, do you know? No. And the guy's laying over on his back and he's laying back and he's leaning back and he said, be positive. <laughs> Dying words, be positive. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. And with that, that is all the time we have for this week's show. We'll be back next week. Coach, we have these jokes, and uh, we appreciate everybody sending him the happy birthday wishes. Coach, I don't know if you saw them on the screen, but they were a – Well, uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate all that. And like I said, I appreciate all the interaction. I mean, I go to these basketball games and around town and everything, and people are really nice about saying how much they enjoy it. And, of course, I enjoy – sometimes I get off on a tangent here, but uh, try to keep it going for you. Uh, you do do a great job, and again, I, I tweeted out a picture of you. Said, "Hey, uh, hey that picture was not for public consent." When <laughs> you put it out there, and I got a lot of grief on that. I can't help my head's big. I mean, it's nothing I can do about what that. Was you had that great hair? I did have some good what hair. Dude, if I had, if I could find my old high school pictures with me and hair, yeah, shut up, I'd put them out every few minutes. That was a long time ago. My buddy Lawton Stevens, uh, 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 Judge Stevens was at Chapel Hill when I was there and he knows a lot of the teammates I had and uh, that I coached and he sent me a happy birthday and then he sent me that picture. So uh, uh, Judge Stevens, big Carolina fan, but big Georgia fans too. Ah, that's awesome. All right, folks, we'll be back next week. We will see you then. Uh, take care.